Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Upgrade Podcast, a show where we speak about everything leverage credit and where we highlight the research produced by our talented S&P Global Ratings Analyst. I'm Manesh Patel, a sector lead for leverage finance and the host of the show. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Steve Wilkinson, and our featured guest, Olin Honeyman. So Olin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Manesh. Can you please give us a quick introduction to your background and your research piece, please? Prior to joining, I grew up in the leverage loan market, covering the entire bank loan life cycle, from bank loan origination with group capital, later in portfolio management, and later in loan restructurings. With S&P's leverage finance team, I'm currently covering the telecom sector, high tech, leisure, as well as consumer products. Now, we're really happy to be publishing our fourth installment on EBITDA addbacks, which remains a really hot topic of interest among investors. At a high level, the study consists of, of t- two key elements. First, we looked at the validity and accuracy of expected addbacks. We examined issuers' projected adjusted EBITDA at deal inception with the actual reported EBITDA for the two calendar years following. And next, we examine the magnitude and distribution of company addbacks across major categories. And as you would expect, the trend continues to be upwards. Great. No, very interesting. And, and you have this concept called marketing EBITDA. Could you give the audience a quick insight into what is marketing EBITDA? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a, a term of our own creation, but it seems um, appropriate just given the addback situation that, that all investors are facing. Just basically, it is management-adjusted EBITDA. It's typically reported EBITDA plus all of the the ad backs that they add to EBITDA to come up with the the marketing EBITDA, as we call it. So it's adjusted for all management ad backs. Got it. Okay, and I guess synergies is, is such a big part of the the ad backs. Maybe when you look at your research, what what are some of the key highlights that that, that we can walk away with? Yeah, sure, Manesh. There, there are a number of them. First off, EBITDA addbacks remain on an upward trend, as I mentioned earlier. With addbacks for deals originated in 2020, representing 31% of management projected EBITDA or marketing EBITDA, and also over 66% of LTM reported EBITDA in our, in our sample of large uh, LBO and M&A transactions. Our analysis continues to confirm that marketing EBITDA, including outbacks, does not provide a good indication of future EBITDA. Also, companies consistently overestimate debt repayment. Now, if you take these two together, they really meaningfully understate actual future leverage and credit risk. And you also have incremental event risk, as many covenant baskets are tied to this inflated EBITDA. So, Reported leverage continues to significantly fall short of management projections from deal inception. Looking at the latest cohort of deals originated in 2018, reported actual net leverage was 2.6 turns higher than projected during 2019, improving slightly to 3.5 turns in 2020. And uh, finally, earnings misses were the largest component of the leverage miss. You've got a really unique data set here, and I, and I know that you've kind of um, 
gone to uh, great lengths to kind of ensure the integrity of the like cohort analysis. So maybe can you t talk about some of the key factors you have to control for? Yeah, sure. Well, we looked at all deals, well, large M&A and, and LBOs that were originated during 2020. We paired that back by uh, including only those deals which were over 50 million in size. And the real key component there is that we needed to be provided with a detailed bridge, bridging from uh, LTM reported EBITDA to management adjusted EBITDA with all of the various addbacks delineated so we could conduct our, our magnitude and composition analysis. Now for the, uh, for the performance piece of the study, for those deals originated in 2018, we also needed to eliminate all of those companies, and there were a lot of them, that underwent uh, transformative uh, transactions, which effectively rendered the initial projections irrelevant. So any sort of performance study would, on that data wouldn't, wouldn't make sense. Got it. Yeah. And I'm just kind of curious, did you see more issues with sponsor-related companies as opposed to straight LBO transactions? And were there any kind of egregious um, sponsors involved in, in, in some of your analysis? Yeah, sure, Manesh. Um, approximately three quarters of the transactions in the data set were sponsored. And we noticed a, a large variation by sponsor in terms of their aggressiveness and the use of addbacks. So looking at the 32 sponsors, which had at least four transactions in our data set to make them somewhat more statistically significant, of those, the 10 most aggressive firms accounted for 64 transactions and had addbacks averaging 43% of marketing EBITDA. Now, conversely, the 10 least aggressive sponsors accounted for 68 of those transactions and averaged 19% with respect to EBITDA. Got it. Got it. That's, that's great insight. Yeah, and, and, I, and I did notice from your study that companies that are higher rated had used a little bit less uh, of the EBITDA ad backs as part of their marketing EBITDA. Um, okay, great. Olin, um, if, if listeners want to get a copy of your report or, or want to contact you if they have any questions, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, however you access our, our information, whether it be through CapIQ, through SMP's public sites, um, and if you have any problems locating it or have questions about its content, please reach out to me. Um, my contact details should have been or will be distributed following this podcast. Great. Th thanks, Olin. And Steve, um, we're, we're recording this show on February 2nd, 22, and uh, the, the leverage loan markets and the high yield markets were very interesting during the month of January. What's your take on, on the markets? Thanks, Manish. Yeah, the markets are definitely off to a, a robust start, at least on the leverage loan side in the U.S. Um, according to LCD data, Total leverage loan volumes in January were about $82 billion, with about $67 billion of that in the broadly syndicated loan market, which was the second highest BSL total ever for January. The high yield market is, is a little bit more muted, with volumes at about $24 billion in January, which is lower than the run rate we had in 2021, which was a record year for, for high yield issuance. Both of those figures really reflect the shifting investor preference for floating rate debt with the pending Fed rate hikes coming up. In particular, in January, 
leverage loans used for M&A were, were particularly strong. Um, from a demand perspective, inflows into retail funds and ETFs are positive for the 14th month in a row. And that volume is helping to offset somewhat of a slowdown for CLO volumes, uh, at least new CLO volumes in 2022, which also had record levels in 2021 at a total of about 187 billion, which is about 50% higher than the prior year high, uh, which was from 2018. Um, The slowdown in CLOs reflects a couple of things. The ban on new LIBOR deals creates a mismatch for CLO assets, which are largely in LIBOR, and new CLO liabilities, which are predominantly in SOFR. And related to that conversion, there was some pull forward of volume into 2021, which you know helped the year start out sort of on a more muted basis as the market goes through price discovery, especially on the CLO side. That said, we are forecasting another very busy year. Our forecast for new issuance is $160 billion, which would be the second highest total ever uh, and about 25% higher than the prior record high, which was from 2018 before we, we blew past that last year. Another another year of, of busy work. And uh, so, Steve, any uh, additional comments you can talk about the LIBOR transition? Sure. I mean, it's still early days, but the strong leveraged loan volumes in January show that price discovery isn't really inhibiting demand. That said, there's definitely some price discovery going on with regard to SOFR deals, which are still you know the dominant alternate rate in the BSL market, at least. But some SOFR deals have a credit spread adjustment, others don't. I expect that over time that will sort of get to a more convention where you know, the market either goes one way or the other. But uh, as of now, things are still sort of sorting, sorting their way out. Thanks, Steve. Very interesting. Well, that's a wrap for the show. If anybody has any questions about the show or have any uh, comments or, or guests that they would like me to invite to the show, please feel free to reach out to me at Manash.Patel at spglobal.com. 